In our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, or you can find it on version. Last week I wasn't with you, I was at the Alpha Retreat. And thank you for investing in Alpha. We had 31 of us at the Alpha Retreat, and all of our participants paid something to go, but your giving helped subsidize their attendance. And, and last Sunday, during the time you were having church here, we were having church at the Scared Bennett Center in Nashville, and we were praying about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit filled us, filled us, filled us with his power and peace. And it was a beautiful experience. So thank you for allowing that to happen, praying for us. And I'm so happy how God is using Alpha to reach people. And he's not just reaching people, he's touching my heart through it as we experience more of the Holy Spirit. And we've got a few more weeks of Alpha so if you know someone who needs it or if you want to check it out, it'll be Monday nights at 6.30. We eat dinner, discuss the spiritual truth with friends. So it's a great, great ministry. Thanks for making it possible. Pastor Chip started us off last week in the church calendar. We're in the season of Lent. The season of Lent is the 40 days of preparation before Easter. It's a spiritual preparation. It's not a time of self-punishment. Not at all. It's a time of introspection. It's a time to look and say, is my life, am I living fully for God? And many of you may have chosen to give something up during the 40 days. I've chosen to do something like that. It's not necessarily about me becoming better because I've given something up. It's when I'm tempted to participate in something or to consume something that I've given up for Lent. It reminds me that, God, I want your presence more than I want this experience, or I want your presence more than I want to consume this item, whatever that is for you. It's a centering, centering on the presence of God, centering on the presence of Jesus. And then on Easter Sunday, well, we're going to celebrate his resurrection. We celebrate his resurrection every Sunday, but that's a, a time that within the rhythms of the church, together the whole world celebrates this story of the risen Jesus. Well, within our series, our series is called Divine Disruption. That's what Lent is. It's disrupting our life in a positive way, a asking us to go deeper in the things of God. And today's message is going to apply to everyone. I know this because it applies to my life too. I want to talk to you about walking in the purpose of God. Walking in God's purpose. And really, who does not want to do that, right? Because God is our creator and he made us and he wants us to walk in his purposes. And I know that in some ways this is a complicated subject, but in some ways it's really simple. And the lectionary, one of the scripture choices for today was Genesis chapter 12, which is a theme scripture for my life. In fact, Genesis chapter 12 has found its way into a lot of my sermons. But viewing my files and stuff, I can't remember a time when I just preached only on Genesis 12. So I'm really happy I get to do that today. And I'll tell you more about why Genesis 12 is important to me. But Genesis 12 is the story of Abraham, who at the time was called Abram, who was called to leave his ancestral home, to leave his family, and to go to the place God has called him. And this was the birth of the Jewish people and 
Abraham birthed all of us who live faith. So all of us who choose to live as risk takers for God, as people who believe that God gives direction to his people, that God, he, he speaks to individuals. And this is what happens when God speaks, speaks to individuals, it changes the world. And so I want to hear God's voice in Abraham's story. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12, starting with verse 1. I'm reading out of the Home Christian Standard Bible, which incidentally this month is changing to be called the Christian Standard Version. So keep your eye out on that. That's about all I know about it, but it's the same Bible, but it's a new version. So we'll keep you up to date. But it's, it's my preferred translation for this time. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, th this is a powerful call from God. Right? I, mean, I mean, and this is a likable call from God. It, it takes some sacrifice. You've got to leave. But once you leave, great things are going to happen. God's going to make your name great. He's going to use you. It, I can tell by you nodding your head up and down. Do you agree this is a great call? Verse 1 through 3. But verse 4 is the part sometimes we forget. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram went as the Lord had told him. A lot of us, we've been getting a word from God for quite some time. We've been journaling about it, writing about it, talking about it. A lot of times we like to talk about what God's will is. I want to talk about my future, discussing it, analyzing it, but we haven't got to verse 4, which is actually doing it. You can get the word from the Lord, but if you get the word from the Lord without the action that accompanies obedience, then the word is not actionable. The message is not actionable. So, I feel a lot of weight when I talk about this scripture, and especially when we get to the first point. Because I know a lot of you are, maybe every one of you are making decisions right now. Some of your decisions are really consequential. Um, sometimes it's decisions about your occupation. Should I stay at this job or should I go to a new job? Some of times it's decisions about your geographical location. Should I stay in this area or go to a new area? Sometimes it's other, other things regarding staying and going. Should I stay or should I go? Someone wrote a great song about that, that you're humming right now. So I feel a lot of weight about what I'm going to say. So let me qualify before I give you the first point. I want to qualify what I want to tell you because I know this is that the Holy Spirit, when he speaks, he tells some people to go and leave and he tells some people to stay. And sometimes in our lives, sometimes he tells us to go, and sometimes he tells us to stay. Now the reason Genesis chapter 12 is so important to me is I, I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I went to college in Kansas City, moved back to Dallas, and it was in the fall of 1994 that God spoke this scripture to me, 
and said, I want you, your, your ministry's not going to be in Dallas. I want you to go back. I went back to Kansas and then ended up in Nashville. And for me, Genesis 12 was a time when God said, you need to leave what's familiar. You need to leave your family. You need to leave your home church. And you need to go somewhere because until you go, I won't bless you. And it means something to me. A week ago today, when I was at the Scarrett Bennett Center and I was walking through this prayer trail that they had designed for meditation and hearing the voice of God, and I got to a certain point and I said, God, what do you want to speak to me? And I felt God say, Aaron, you're right where you need to be right now. You're right in God's will. You're right settled where you need to be. And that was good to hear too. So can't you see how sometimes God says go, sometimes God says stay. And the Holy Spirit is going to make that known to you. The Holy Spirit is going to make that known to you. But here's my first observation from this scripture. And for taking notes, you can write this down. Is that sometimes we have to leave the comfortable yet restricting place. Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to leave your comfortable yet restricting place. Now, it's not wrong to be comfortable. In fact, I would say that I'm in an era of my life where, where I feel quite comfortable. And simultaneously, I feel like I'm in God's will. And so I think that, to, you know, I, I carefully crafted this point because I didn't want to say just leave that comfortable place as if all of you who are comfortable right now, you're out of God's will. Have, have you ever felt that in a message before? That's not what I'm trying to communicate. Sometimes, you know, there's a place of settling. There's a place of contentment. There's a place of of God's peace that just says, you're right here, this is your shalom. But there's other times when uh, God begins to cause a disruption within us, and he begins to say, you don't fit in anymore there. You don't belong. Uh, that's not your place. Those are not your people. And this sense of dissatisfaction, we have to discern by the Spirit if it's just contentment based off a lack of fruit, because contentment is a spiritual fruit? Or is it the Holy Spirit working within us to disrupt our life like he did for Abraham? Because for Abram, who became Abraham, God said, leave. Leave the place of your inheritance. Leave the place of your social advantages. Leave the place of your financial advantages. Leave the place that you know, because until you leave, I can't make you everything I want you to be for the world. I mean, we know how Abraham, God has used his family in which we're a part of as Christians to, to bless the world in unspeakable ways. Unspeakable. I'm so glad he left. I'm so glad he obeyed. So... Where is that comfortable place that restricts you? Not if you're comfortable in God's will. That's a good place to be. But if you're comfortable and it's keeping you from being who God wants you to be. But, but the ease, the ease of the land, the comfort of the relationships, the lack of challenge, oh, it, it, just, it just causes you to just not want to dream anymore causes you not to want to be a person of which makes you a person of risk. 
Because with vision comes risk. If there wasn't risk, then everyone would be a visionary. A visionary has to put it on the line. And that's why as spirit-led people, God causes his spirit to come upon us and we see visions and we have the assurance of his spirit that says, go ahead, take that risk because I'm with you in the risk. Isn't it good to have a God who's with us in the middle of the risk? So he says, leave the comfortable place. Now, I left my family. I'm not, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me because I, I have a comfortable, good life. But I know this is that some people who are really close to me for the last 15 years, I don't ever get to spend time with. I never got to go back to a class reunion because I was too busy doing ministry. I'd like to go to one in the future because those relationships as you age are important. So I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm more important to you because you organize a class reunion. I'm like, I didn't go to one. I'm just saying that the circumstances of my life at the time didn't allow me to go back. And there's people that I wish I could spend more time with, but I'm not able to because God hasn't called me to spend time with them right now. See, in our nation, I believe that we have a little bit of a problem. A little bit of the problem is, is that we have a great concentration of church activity in the southeast of America, in the south of America. And I believe that we need more churches on the west coast in the northwest, in the northeast, but some people have to be willing to leave mama and daddy to go follow God's will. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to belittle family here. I'm not trying to belittle family because proclamations of the gospel that we have is our family. Am I cutting out on this microphone, Steve? Should, should I go to the handhold, handheld? This one's okay. Just, just let me know if I need to. The, the, the strength of the family is one of the great messages we have in the gospel. But if we're, if we're so tribal that we never, we never open up our lives to people outside of our relatives, how are we going to spread the gospel? I want you to be close to your family. But if you're so close to your family that you can't even attend a small group in your church, how are we going to grow this church? 120 years ago, Africa was dark to the gospel. Very limited amount of Christians. Now, the continent of Africa is leading the globe in Christian growth and Christian influence. Do you know why? It's because people in England and Canada and the United States of America left their family and they went to places where the gospel had not been preached. That's why many of the relatives, excuse me, many of the missionaries we support today in this church are missionaries who are going to the 1040 window. They're going to the Middle East. They're going to North Africa. They're going to places that are difficult and hard to go. The 1040 window is a, it, it's, it's a geographical location that is determined by the latitude of the map that shows a high concentration of non-Christians. My point is this. My point is this, is that sometimes to do God's will, we kind of move out of what's comfortable. And it may be just allocating more time for a small group, or it may be actually physically moving. But you got to leave your family. If you have in-laws who are running your family, and the Holy Spirit's not running your family, you need to emotionally leave your family. 
Some of you, this is an attitude departure. The Lord is speaking to you today. And you have to say, you've got to run your family. You honor. We have to honor our elders. We do. That's something our culture needs to develop. But God has caused you to run your family according to the leadership of the Scripture. That's what the Scripture says. Some of you, God's calling you to leave that comfortable but restricting place. But it's not enough just to leave. Because as Abraham left his ancestral home and he moved into the unknown, there he was completely dependent upon the blessing and favor of the Lord. Here's number two. We see that they're being dependent upon the blessing of God. I want you to know this. You are a talented people. I learned so much from you guys. You guys are so smart. And I ask you questions all the time because as I'm scanning the room, I think about all the expertise that are in here. Whether it comes from a trade you've developed through trial and error, which is the best type of learning. Whether it's a, something you developed through your education. Whether it's something you developed through decades of work experience, whether it's a a talent that's just innate that God's given you, you guys are remarkable people. And isn't it wonderful to have a body of Christ that's together, that we can just draw strength from one another? So I admire you very much, but I want you to hear this. Your gift and your talent and your opportunity didn't come from you. It came from above. Everything you have is from God. Everything you have has been given to you from God. But what we do is pride and arrogance comes. And we begin to own our gifts and own our talents and own our abilities. And what we do is we have all types of different ways we have pride. Some of us, we, just, we just ooze pride. I mean, just, we think we're important when we go somewhere. We think we need to be noticed. We need to be recognized. We, 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 we need to let people know who we are. Do they know who I am? And our, our very smugness communicates that. And the Lord wants you to humble yourself. If you have a smug attitude when you walk into a room, you need to change your attitude. Because the Lord is not pleased with that. Others of us, our pride and our ability is the withholding of our gifts to the body of Christ. We're withholding participation. We're withholding our gifts because we're saying, people don't know what I've got. People don't know what I can do, so I'm just going to hold back. I'm just going to draw back. And pride begins to come when we begin to own our gifts. We begin to own our resources. And we, they're mine, they're mine, and, and we're going to dispense them when we want to, how we want to, in the manner we want to. But have you forgotten that when you gave your life to God, that they're His resources, they're His talents, they're His abilities, and everything you do is His leadership within them. So it's, Lord, how can you use my talents? How can you use my personality? How can you use me, Lord? And there's this dependency. And I have a word of wisdom for you on this. When it comes to dependency, it is better for you to make yourself become dependent on God than it is for God to make you become dependent on Him. It's better for you to make yourself remain dependent on God than to 
for God to have to make you dependent on him. In other words, in other words, all of the things we've crafted our life, we've worked hard to get to the place we're at. And if we don't keep giving it to God, giving it to God, to giving it to God, then God will have to take and take and take away. The Lord giveth, but the Lord also taketh away because the Lord is more concerned about your heart than he is about your talents, your abilities, and your accomplishments. What does it a man to gain the world but to lose his soul? God's making you into a man of God. He's making you into a woman of God. And he wants to bless. He wants to add. He wants to enhance. But if your character can't handle it out of love, he'll take and take and take away until you're completely dependent upon him. Brothers and sisters, let's not go that route. Instead, let's humble ourselves this day, this hour, this moment to say, I'm going to give everything to God. I'm going to lay every talent, every ability. I'm going to do my best to not be a person of pride. See, I'm working on this today too. I'm working on this day. I don't have this down either, but I'm here at church today. Yeah, I'm preaching to you, and I'm glad that you're listening to me preach and all that, but I'm at church today just as much for me as I am for you. Because staying home today and not being in the presence of God and not being with the people of God would not have been any good for my soul. Just because I'm getting paid by church and preaching doesn't mean my soul won't drift if I'm not at the place of humility. And so we come, and we come to God's house on God's day, and the singing and the preaching leads us to the Lord's table where we submit to him and we say, humble me, God. Humble me with everything that I have before me to do. I want to live in great dependence upon you. God is your helper. The Holy Spirit is your helper today. And the Lord wants to remind you today that he wants to help you. He wants to send you his help. He wants to send you his help. I moved back to Dallas knowing it was a temporary thing to help my pastor start a church 17 years ago. I knew it was a temporary time, and this church has ended up being a very fruitful church. It's one of our sister churches. Several people in this congregation today have deep associations with Hope Fellowship in Frisco. But the early year or two was really hard, really hard, really hard time. And... and uh, we needed God's help, and I needed God's help. And there was a highway between Frisco and McKinney where I was living called Highway 121. And I would take 121 every day. And on 121, you know, there's, there's not mountains in North Texas, but it starts to have some rolling hills. And there was a part of 121 where you could see quite some distance. When I would reach that part of that highway, I would recite and pray Psalm 121, and I want to share that with you today. If you don't remember this scripture, this is what Psalm 121 says. I raise my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my, my help come from? I was in a time when I needed a lot of God's help. So on that stretch of highway, I'd say, God, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And the scripture goes on and says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and now and forevermore. How many of the Lord is our helper? 
You know, one of the reasons I shared that story with you today is some of you, I think the Lord's going to help you to associate Scripture with some things in your life, and the Lord will show that to you so that you, you're, you're quoting the Scripture on a regular basis. And, there, you know, God will give you a Scripture for a certain season of your life and a certain time of your life. So maybe it'll be something similar to that. The Lord will show you a word association, a number association that will help you to declare the Word of the Lord. But this is what I know God's saying today is that some of you need help today. And you've talked to everybody but God about it. And the Lord woke you up today and had you come to church because I'm going to give you this deep word, word from the Lord right now. Ask God for help. Ooh, wow. I would give you the Greek and Hebrew tense of that, but I don't want to blow you away. If you need help, ask God for help. Now, here, here's a re this, this is an important point to make because some of us don't ask God for help. And that's why help hasn't come to you. We ask everyone else for help. We're trying to find help in strategy, help in opinion, help in analysis, help in self-help books, help in reading, help in Eastern meditation, but our help is not from those things. Our help is from somebody. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He made all that stuff anyway. God made strategy. God made self-help book. He made all wisdom comes from above. And he is your helper. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is asking God for help. You see, God knows everything already. He knows everything. God doesn't need you to remind him of your need. God doesn't need you to inform you of his need. God needs for you to ask for help. And that's what prayer is. He, he said, he has said, he responds to the prayers of his people. He responds to cries for help. And it's not just the five or six big events of our life. Enough, guys. That's where you need to ask God's help for. I've got a, a nice house that we enjoy and we like, but it's an older home. It was built in the 80s, so it has a lot of uh, upkeep it needs. And I'm not that good at that. I want to improve, and several of you have helped me fix some stuff at my house, so thanks for doing that. And, and I can get better at it and all that. But I'm just naturally not that good at it. And here in the last year and a half or so, there were like three major repairs that I'm like, man, how can I fix this? I didn't have the extra money for it. I didn't have the expertise. I didn't have the time to watch YouTube videos and use trial and error like some of you guys do. So I'm just kind of bummed out. I mean, it's kind of bringing me down. I was like, oh man, oh, I hope it doesn't rain because the garage is leaking and the crawl space is flooding. And it's just a bummer, you know, when you're sitting around feeling like things can't get fixed. So I thought about it, analyzed. You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to pray about it. So I put it on my prayer list, and I just started praying, Lord, give me wisdom on what to do with my house. And uh, I met someone who was able to do all these things, had, had a creative finance option for me, and seemed legitimate. And part of finding God's help is I had my friends look over his quote, 
I had other friends who were good with money look over the financing option. I had like four or five people that I discussed it with and everything got fixed. It wasn't a strain on my family financially and I believe God helped me. I'm not, I'm sitting in my house now, not bummed out anymore. Thinking that mold's like crawling up, getting me, you know. I feel pretty good about the place. I like it. I took it to God. Some of you are not taking stuff to God. You're not not asking God for help. And let me tell you what it is. It's pride. It's arrogance. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. The Lord's going to use your talents and your ideas and your abilities. But he's the starting place. And everything you do, he'll, he'll come and he'll be your friend. He'll be your companion. He'll be the one that helps you. And here's the last thing, the last thing from the scripture that I see here. It's in you walk in the blessing of the Lord. You walk in the blessing and the favor of the Lord. A man or woman who will go where God tells them and stay dependent upon God will step in to favor and blessing that's unbelievable. The problem is we want the favor and blessing without the obedience and dependency. It doesn't work that way. We got to obey and depend, and then we walk into favor. We walk into blessing. So I've talked a lot about you this morning and your decision-making and your life, but what does this have to do with the gospel? Well, it has everything to do with the gospel because Jesus left a comfortable place. He left a place with the advantages of heaven and he became an embryo in the womb of a woman. He sacrificially and willingly lived a life of anonymity as a carpenter's son and then a carpenter. He launched into a public ministry and he actually avoided crowds and avoided publicity because he knew that the discipleship of a few is greater than the adulation of the many. And then he laid down his life on the cross. And he was executed for my sin and for your sin. Then on the third day, he rose again in power. He lived dependent on God. And he lived and brought in the blessing and the favor of God for the resurrection. Changed the world. It changed our world. I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to position to distribute the sacrament of communion today. Every one of you will have a chance to take communion today. If for any reason you don't, that's not an issue. Just let communion pass. But every one of you who believe Jesus is God and he is the risen king, you're welcome to take communion. You don't have to be a member of this church, but all of us, me first, and we'll all repent of our sin before we eat the bread and drink the cup. So in a few, just a few minutes, you'll hold the bread and hold the cup, and then I'll come and lead us. But while we're getting that organized, I want to share with you the gospel reading from the lectionary today that brings us back to this great Jesus that we serve. Jesus was talking to someone named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. It says, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, 
For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I underline that for emphasis for you today. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Later on in John chapter 3, verse 16, is a, maybe the most famous scripture in Christianity. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, I love verse 17. We often forget verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world that he might judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I'm not here just to preach self-help and self-improvement. I believe the Bible's relevant to all aspects of life, and so I don't regret anything I preach today. I think you heard things today that will help you make better decisions. But I want you to know this, that if you're making better decisions, but you're hardening your heart towards the gospel, it doesn't matter where you live. If you're hardening your heart towards the gospel, it doesn't matter where you work. If you're hardening your heart to the message of Jesus, it doesn't matter what decision you make about your occupation, or where your kid goes to school, because if you don't get the first thing right, everything else doesn't matter. That's why we go back to the message of the cross. We go back to the proclamation of his resurrection, because you can get all of the other stuff right, but if you miss the main thing, you've missed everything. Where are you with Jesus today? And I'm not talking to the potentially unsaved only today. I'm talking to you who have been in church for decades. Where is Jesus today? Where's your passion for the gospel? Because if you can move here, there, everywhere, or you can change jobs, or you can change your social situation, you can even change churches. But if you're not in love with Jesus, your heart's going to be hard in any setting you go. So it is. We center on the greatness of who he is. And when we go to the Lord's table, we go and we believe there's a divine presence in this symbolic act. We're here as God's people today, not just putting our time in as church participants. We're here as a living organism who is proclaiming that Jesus is alive with our very presence and our participation in worship. His presence is here to soften our hearts and to fill us with love and to give us a fresh touch of Him. Let's pray together. Father, as we get ready to go to your table, Lord, I thank you that there's power in this act. There's power in this symbolic act. Lord, the bread and the cup, they're just physical symbols. But Lord, we proclaim, God, that because of the power of the gospel, there's power, life-changing power. And Lord, I thank you that repentance of sin is happening right now. Some of you need to change your mind about your sin right now. You're making excuses about your sin. 
you're justifying your sin. You're comparing your righteousness to other people. But the Lord says, I have called that sin in your life and I want you to change your mind. And the Lord is saying, I want you to agree with me about what I've said about that. Doesn't matter what man has said. It doesn't matter what culture has said. If God says it's sin, it's sin and you need to repent of it. Some of you are finding your source of life from somewhere else but the gospel. And the Lord wants you to know today you're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. You're getting fascinated. You're getting fascinated with things that are outside of Scripture. And that fascination is putting you on quicksand. And it may feel good to your feet right now, but you're going to sink in that sand. The Lord has spoken this to you right now. The Lord said, get back on solid ground. Get back at a place of stability. And I'll quote, it's not Scripture, but it's an old song based off Scripture. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. Doesn't matter if it feels good to your feet, if it's going to take you under, get back on solid ground. The rock may seem boring to you. It may seem hard. It may even be uncomfortable. The gospel may be uncomfortable to your feet, but the Lord says, get your feet back on solid ground. Get your feet back in the place it's supposed to be. The Lord is speaking to us right now. He's speaking through His Scripture, by His Spirit right now. And and He's causing an examination. We're in the season of Lent. It's a season of repentance. It's a season of turning. It's a season of of God uh, coming and, and, and examining our hearts. And so as Beth leads us in worship today, I want you to continue to examine your heart. And then victory is ours today. Victory is ours today because we're going to lay down our burdens. We're going to turn away from our sin. And we're going to leave as God's free people. Chains. Chains are coming off today in Jesus' name. Chains are coming off of you in Jesus' name. And I'm going to tell you this. There's power in this act you're about to be a part of. This is not a ritual. A dead ritual. This is spirit inspired. Jesus said that this is going to happen when you remember me. The power of the Lord is going to be present here. So Father, we come and now we commit this time to you. We commit these symbolic elements to you. And Lord, as we examine our hearts, show us what we need to change. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be back in a few minutes to lead you in communion.